0: Sean, hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? You know, I uh, we're, we're talking about one of my favorite topics today, so I'm I'm pretty excited. Okay. All right. I I, I wanted to, I wanted to just ask you real quick, though. You know, imagine you suddenly received a significant amount of money with no strings attached. <coughs> Powerball. Yeah, I was gonna say. What's the first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we got we got some of that Powerball fever yes. going on. What's the first thing you would do or change in your life, and why? Um, how do you think it would impact your overall happiness oh
1: man i so obviously and i did play powerball too um have not won yet to this point and probably never will but i think part of the uh the excitement around it is to have this conversation right you play you yeah. never know what's going to happen um everything's gone through my head do you get a ferrari do you buy a bigger house do you invest it are you smart with it do you, you know yep you run through the whole gambit of of different ideas realistically, though, I think paying down debt, number one, right? Um, And have some fun with that money, but also make sure to create a plan. So that money lasts you, you know, your whole lifetime and beyond, right for your children. So I'm very much you know, I I sit on the fence, but make sure you're smart with some of it. But there would definitely be, you know, there would definitely be the sports car and the you know, the pool in the backyard and those types of things as well.
0: No, I, I like it balancing the uh the the just practicality with the fun adventurous. And I mean, I'm I'm glad to hear that you weren't just like hopping on a plane going <laughs> you know somewhere in Europe and you're never going to hear from me ever again.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, having three kids definitely changes the uh, the mindset of what you would do with that money, right? Because I think well, um, yeah. it was just me and my wife that could very well be an option.
0: I, I mean, that's, that's right where I was at. Cause I was, you know, and I was thinking about this and I mean, first off, the good news is, is I would never mow the lawn ever again. You know, the, the I already have found the landscaper. I've saved their number to speed dial. When those Powerball numbers hit, I am calling them up and being like, you're, you're hired. Come over here, get this done. I don't want to push a lawnmower. The good news is once the kids get a little bit older, you know, I'm probably looking at four or five more years. They can do that for me. I mean, probably not as good as a landscaper, but, hey, as long as the the lawn is mowed to the point where it doesn't look like we live in a jungle, I'm good. Yep, Absolutely. You know, and and the other, I mean, the other big thing is like, and this is kind of like, I don't know, is, is it going to be like a stupid amount of money where it's like, I'm going to go live in a, a chalet, you know, somewhere up in, in the Alps and have hired help. I don't know. My small thing is, you know, every day when I'm getting my kids ready for school, it's just absolute chaos. And I'm just like, if I could have, somebody who at least like help get them ready in the mornings and help get them to daycare that would actually have like a significant improvement to my overall well being. You know, listen, I love them. They're lots of fun a lot of the time, but man, mornings are just, they're tough. And I, and if I could afford it, I would, I would pay to fix that. So those are two areas that would, that would give me a a boatload of more free time and, and, and reduce stress in my life.
1: Totally agree with you. I, um, and even when I've spoke to, obviously, you know, the car and paying off debt. Um, I think part of the question, too, is just overall happiness. So to your point, yeah, you know, those things come and go, right? So it really is how can you and we've talked about this a lot on previous podcasts, but how do you kind of even release some of that stress from your life to allow you to focus on more of the things that you are passionate about? I think that's really what it would come down to. And your, your example's perfect.
0: Yeah, love it. Well, that sets the stage. Perfectly for the rest of our conversation today, and you know, let me just take a moment, ladies, gentlemen, friends. Welcome back to the Well Being in Your Wallet podcast, the premier financial being podcast and the flagship podcast of Affinity Federal Credit Union. I'm Grant Gallagher. I'm the head of financial being here at Affinity, and I am joined today by my special co-host Sean. Uh, Sean,
1: you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is so Sean Lubitz. I'm the vice president of retail and digital branching here at Affinity Federal Credit Union. All
0: right. Those of you that are return listeners, we appreciate it. Welcome back. You you know both Sean and myself. Those of you that are new listeners, uh, I hope you're enjoying yourselves. And please, you know, refer us to your friends. Join as a member if you're not already a member. Um, like and subscribe to the podcast. So jumping into what we're talking about today, uh, it's a obviously a major topic and one that's been much debated by social scientists and the public at large. Does money buy happiness? The answer. Absolutely. Okay. That's a wrap. We're done. Good. Shut, shut it easy. down. We're, we're good. Yep. Record time. No, no. Obviously we're going to dig into this topic a little bit today. Um, you know, and, and I mean, there's a lot of thoughts around this. There's a lot of research around this. There's a lot of conversation around this. There's books written about this. Um, obviously we can't cover the whole depth of the topic cause we are only trying to be a 30 minute podcast, which will probably be a 40 minute podcast today, but Hey, we appreciate you guys joining in for the ride the whole time. Um, so let's just jump right into, you know, our conversation here. Um, you know, how do you identify the most important financial objectives and create a plan to achieve them? You know, you, you got to have something that you're working towards, right?
1: Yep, sure. I um, And again, I feel like we've talked about this before, but it really is just it, everybody's perspective is different, right? Do you, yep. do you want that, you know, big house on the mountain? Um, are you good? Living in, you know, smaller house in the woods even, right? That's, that's your happy place. Maybe just being out with nature and you don't need a ton of money to be happy. So I think it's, it's going to be different for everybody, but just really, what is your, what is your individual objective, right? Is it, Hey, I I received a a good amount of money. Maybe now I can retire at 55 and I don't have to work until I'm 70 years old, right? I have 10 more years of work left, but I'm not going to change anything right now. I just know that I can retire early. Um, yeah. That would make people happy. Other people, it might be the car, right? And yep, you know, it, it is going to be very different for everybody. But I think understanding first what is that goal, and then really understanding is that a you know, was that just reactionary to this money, or is that something that again you're passionate about and you've you've thought about in the past that um, you want to make sure that you you set yourself up for success in the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's two clear examples we can look at in the public as to, you know, the connection between doing whatever you want, if you had the means to do it. And I, I like to look at both, you know, Warren Buffett and Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. you know, Warren Buffett, Berkshire, Hath- Berkshire Hathaway has, you know, an insane amount of money and could virtually do whatever he wants. Same as Jeff Bezos. Warren Buffett drives, has been driving the same car for like, I think it's 15 or 20 years. And it's like, you know, entry-level Toyota. It's nothing extravagant. It's very basic. It works. He's happy. He's lived in the same home that he's lived in for, I think, over 50 years. He could do whatever he wants, but that's what he likes. He finds happiness there. Same thing with 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 Bill Gates. Um, apparently, he loves, I think it's Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi. And that's what he drinks and just make sure he has an endless supply of that on hand goes to you know michelin star rated restaurants but he wants Diet coke so he gets Diet coke that's mm-hmm. what he, where he finds it to be happy on the flip side of things you know we have jeff bezos who you know likes to just build and fly rocket ships you know that <laughs> that small little hobby um You know, and and I imagine that I've I've seen some other photos related to his personal life, and there is typically a level of extravagance you can you can see in in the way he spends. Um, but that's you know, I guess he has more extravagant tastes than than uh, Warren Buffett. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's it's highly personal for everyone. You know, it's really important for you to identify what these look like. And uh, Jason V Tug is gonna be a future guest on our show, and he wrote a book titled Uh, happy money, happy life. And, you know, he talks a little bit in that about the importance of setting personal financial goals. And I was, I was reading this book and I I actually had a moment of revelation where I couldn't actually specifically define my goals. Like, you know, I, I talk about personal finance a lot, but I couldn't actually sit down and say, I want to achieve X by Y, and this is the amount towards it you know, yes, I'm, I'm working towards saving for retirement. I I have a a fund for a new car. I'm saving for my kid's college fund, but I didn't really have a clear definition of success for them because I feel like the future is so far away and there's so much that could change that almost kind of putting a real specific target on them is, I mean, it's kind of meaningless. So to, to me, I feel good that I'm working towards these goals but I didn't really feel a lot of importance in creating that specific definition that could potentially change and, and you know, kind of be a moving target over time. Um, but, you know, my, my thoughts on this is really, you know, talk to somebody. Uh, if, if you don't know what your goals look like, if you don't even have broad kind of goals that you can kind of figure out, um, your friends and your family can probably help you. They probably know what's important to you. They can help guide you. Of course, there's professional advice, you know, come, uh, come to your friends at your local affinity branch, shout out, you know, river edge, New (laughs) Jersey, Madison, New Jersey, just opening up, come, come on over. Um, but a lot, for a lot of people there, there's a few common ones that, that most people are working towards that kind of fall in that medium to long range category. And, and those are, those are kind of a good starting point for most people. Um, you know, most people, they don't already have a budget. They need to figure that out. They need to have that emergency fund. They need to, they need to figure out what retirement looks like. Um, but then, lots of people say for those big milestones or big purchases, you know, a new home, a wedding, new car, uh, even you know something like a vacation. So, really, just kind of think about that when you're thinking about your your financial objectives and, and creating a plan around it. You want to have something, but it doesn't have to be super specific, especially for those bigger, long term ones. Uh, it's just important to have something that you you kind of figure out what you're working towards.
1: Yeah, we um so. We've done training here at affinity and we've talked about you know the results pyramid right i don't know if Mm -hmm. you remember grant you're familiar with it ultimately how experiences end up driving your beliefs your beliefs drive your actions actions drive results right yeah so it's so interesting to me because as you go through different phases in your life right the the phase of i graduated college i live with my parents i'm got a job where I have a salary, you feel like the richest person in the world, right? Because you don't really have responsibilities necessarily. You don't have the bills. Um, As you get older, you get get married, you buy a home, you start to have children. Those experiences all make you look at your finances a little bit differently. So one thing that's always been interesting to me is when anybody sees, let's say, uh, a younger celebrity doing something crazy, right? They have the the fast sports car, whatever it might be. They're 18 years old. I'm like, I don't know that I would do anything different. At 18 yeah. with that money right it, yeah it it's hard to say what you would do in that situation i can tell you that it would be very different right now of what i would do with you know a significant amount of money but it's again it's always interesting to me i think this is why people so often struggle with suddenly receiving a large amount of money right whether it is the lottery or an inheritance that you didn't you know expect or weren't planning on it can definitely change people because you didn't work for that money. You didn't go through the experiences to earn it. So I feel like there's a lot of emotion that runs through your head on, you know, what do I do with this now? Right. It automatically puts you at a different level that you're, you're not used to and you weren't expecting.
0: Right. I mean, you're, you're, you get so used to, and you know, we'll talk about this in, in a little bit, just kind of talking about, um, lifestyle creep and and things like that. But it's like, you get so used to that same level of spending and kind of the value of your time is so connected that you're a little bit more sensitive to that spending that when that, that level is kind of all thrown out of whack, you kind of lose that perspective and the scope of just kind of what, what matters and and just how easy, you know, it's like they say, easy, easy, come easy go. Um, You know, if you worked hard for that dollar, you're going to, grab onto it and be that much more strict of, of not letting it go. But if it just falls into your lap, well, you know, maybe you'll not have another windfall who knows. So yeah, it's, it's just really important to, I mean, to that point, just talk to somebody, get advice. And, and, you know, if you do obviously fall into a windfall, um, have somebody help you with a plan, you know, it's, I mean, it's it's a super happy problem to have, but, um, most people would benefit from some sort of planning and advice and goal setting and just figuring out what, what the plan is versus just kind of playing it, playing it by ear. Yeah. absolutely.
1: I think just, yeah, reacting in a situation like that is probably one of the worst things you could do. Right. So to your point, take your time. Um, Even if you end up with the same result, three months later, you at least thought about that for three months and you've planned out your actions versus again, here's this money I'm going to go, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And then three months later, I, I absolutely regret those decisions I made yeah. um, and could have utilized that money in a different way.
0: Make make decisions that matter. Um, Yeah. No, I, I mean, one of the things I would say is, you know, when you're trying to find that balance between pursuing financial success and happiness, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's like, what does that transactional nature look like? Like, uh, have... I mean, I don't know about you. Have you figured out kind of how to balance maximizing your happiness with, with your financial situation?
1: It's ever changing. So I'll, I'll yeah. say that it's, um, it, it is definitely one of those situations where there's moments where you're like this, you know, it is working out, right? It, it's, yeah. I feel like I'm in a good place. And then again, we've talked about this before, then the hot water heater breaks Yep. and you're like, ah, oh, that's, that's a little stressful, right? I wasn't, wasn't planning on that expense. So it is something I think that's ever changing, but if you plan and, and budget accordingly, you can kind of minimize those ebbs and flows, right? And yeah. reduce the stress. And I, and again, I think that's really high level, a huge piece of what we're trying to get a point or across here in the podcast is, is that planning perspective and utilizing tools and resources that you have available to you. But yeah, I would say it's, um, it's gotten easier to kind of understand as you get older, right, as you go through those different phases in life, but there's always curveballs thrown at you. So yeah. you're always learning.
0: Yeah. And you're, you're, you're hitting close to home because just a couple of weeks ago, my, my hot water heater was on the fritz. And, you know, I luckily I do have a uh, master plumber, electrician, all that stuff in the family. And, you know, he managed to come and fix it and, and you know, just charge us for the parts. So managed to dodge a you know, major expense
1: there. It's good to know people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um but you know to add on to that now my dishwasher is broken <laughs> and it's just like the cost of home ownership is just like everything just seems to break and hopefully it's not all at once. Yep. But it's so important to have that emergency fund for when things do break that you know you're not you're not up the creek cuz I'll I'll be honest is a dishwasher a luxury 100% it is fantastic. And now that I'm going on, you know, a week of doing dishes by hand, I can tell you that thing's saving me almost an hour a day in, mm-hmm. in dishes, especially with two little ones. And they yep. it's like they they sneeze and a new dirty dish appears. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I would say in, in the broader terms of this topic, you know, once you've reached a level of income that allows you to cover all of your essentials, you know, you really need to think about how much you value your time you know, and what's, what's your, what's your career goals in terms of figuring out what financial success looks for you. So do you find joy in taking on additional responsibility or more hours, possibly more stress at work? You know, are you willing to sell more of yourself to, to increase your financial situation? Or are you at a point where, you know, you're at your life where you've reached an income where you can cover most of your basic things and, and, and you're good, but you know, a lot of people there, there are pain points in your life that you can resolve with a higher income or more resources. And, you know, also going back to what I mentioned before, when, when we have uh Jason Vtug on in, in the future, um, you know he does dig deeper into that too that that balance of of career and financial and, and i mean some of the work we've done with gallup shows that that stuff is very intertwined and interconnected so you you can't really uh, untangle the two no matter how hard you try um but you know just looking at our kind of our base topic of of does money money buy happiness connecting money and and your overall well-being and you know i i do have to warn you this is about to get nerdy and technical <laughs> and does reference. Grant warned some, me about this studies. before we started too. Yes, yes. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to say it's boring. I think it's very interesting. But you know, <laughs> if, if referencing studies from Princeton University don't sound like an exciting time for you, you might need to take a sip of coffee right now and, and buckle in because <laughs> there was a, a 2010 study from Princeton University that found day-to-day happiness rose as annual income increased only up to $75,000. And then it leveled off and happiness plateaued. Interesting. You know, this was, of course, based off of national averages. So if you live in a major city or a metro area, you know, your happiness probably costs a little bit more than $75,000, you know, probably closer to to 90 to 100,000. But but then there was a 2021 study from the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Matt Killingsworth, and he found that happiness rose steadily with income well beyond $75,000 without evidence of a plateau. So just kept on going. Interesting, and you know this has, of course, been been debated for for a while. And and I think I think one of the challenges that we face on this is is it comes back to definitions. You know what what is happiness? You know how how do you even define that?
1: Um, yep. And would, do you would, do you love what you do? Yeah, right. Because it's something where if if you're taking on more responsibility, and again, you're getting you know compensated for it. That's amazing. You're making more money. To your point. That seventy five thousand dollars, you get to a point where you could purchase a home, right? You can yeah. you can get a, a a nicer car for yourself. Um, there, I can see how a study would show that that kind of plateaus. But if you truly enjoy what you do, you're going to continue to, you know, hopefully be compensated for more work. But I would imagine that happiness comes with that as well. Um, when you when you're doing something that doesn't feel like work. Yeah. So I, I could see both both sides to that study.
0: Well, I, I got I got some more data for you. So, All right, so let's keep hear it stay stay strapped in. Uh when we're looking at it, you know, I can see the 75000 dollars allowing for happiness if we're defining it just as like having your basic essential needs met. You know, it's like, okay, you know, you don't have to worry about food on the table, you don't have to worry about uh, a place to live. All of those basic things are kind of covered. So I did some research and I went, uh, you know, livingcost.org. They, they have New Jersey's cost of living for a single person being about $30,000 to have all of your, your essentials met. And it's about $67,000 for a family of four. So that means, you know, you have that extra $45,000 as an individual between the $30,000 basic essentials to splurge and have some niceties. And, you know, I, I could see how. of extra money would would be a nice thing to do, Sure, Uh, but hold on because (laughs) I went back and looked at the studies and found out that it's not truly $45,000 extra dollars. It turns out the study was asking pre-tax. Now, I don't know about you, Sean, but I don't get to spend my money pre-tax. I have to spend my money post-tax. So actually, post-tax, it's about $54,000 in New Jersey. Uh, so now we're only down to $24,000 Okay. But I don't know about you, but I don't just want to live an essential life. You know, I need to save for retirement. And I don't think that's considered covering the essentials. I also need to have an emergency fund. I don't know how many times I've said that on here, but I need one. You need one. Everybody listening needs one. Um, you know, and then uh, I think we could probably have some kids going to college, maybe some other things going on in our life that we need to save for that are, that are big things like that wedding. It could be anything. So I think those could probably cover an extra one to $2,000 per month pretty easily. And guess what? We've now hit that $75,000 pre-tax amount. Okay, So we've gone through it and we've, we've barely scratched the surface of I don't know, going on vacation, your your Netflix, going out
1: to dinner or any sort of
0: hobbies, any sort of recreation. John, do any of your sport your kids do do sports or any recreation things?
1: They do. So we have um soccer players, softball, school basketball, the band, chorus, you know, all of those things which again becoming the, the cleat the cleats and, and the trumpet are free, right? Uh of, yeah, of course. When you when you go to uh you know, Dick Sporting Goods or Walmart or wherever it might be, and you spend a small fortune on something that you just you haven't looked at in a very long time. And the prices don't feel like they used to when you were younger.
0: Yeah. So uh, you know, I think most people would like to be able to earn enough to afford kind of be, be beyond the basic essentials and and have a little bit of the niceties in, in mm-hmm. life. So actually there's even more data here. I, okay. I warned you. There was a lot of data. <laughs> the authors of the 2010 Princeton paper actually published an updated study from earlier this year that's entitled Income and Emotional Well-Being, A Conflict Resolved, because it recognized that there was that difference where like, hey, our study said this. but There's another one that said it's basically an infinite possibility. And again, it boils down to definition. I know you're surprised. Oh, um, know. It turns out when they were doing this study – the definition they were using was basically that unhappiness was the lower threshold of happiness. But in reality, and I think we've had this conversation before, unhappiness and happiness are not the same thing. It's not like a sliding scale. They're two different entities. And the $75,000 threshold was actually the upper boundary of removing unhappiness. So it's not that people weren't getting incrementally happier the more money they had with more resources. It's just that they were basically able to eliminate that unhappiness. Okay. So happiness, unhappiness, well-being, they're all different things. They're not interchangeable. Um, so you really kind of need to to think about that. But but it's it's nice to know that there is that threshold to at that point, you can generally live a mostly pain, anger, stress-reduced life by by that threshold.
1: Yep. Yep. And I um Just to add to that too, so as you do make more, right, you get to that $70,000, $75,000 threshold, your actions play a huge part on how long that happiness can last, right? And kind of what we talked about, even just receiving a a large sum of money, um, even if you don't get that large sum of money, you know, a single time, your actions to go out and, you know, rack up the credit card debt or buy those things that aren't, necessarily needed, but they're more of wants or, you know, keeping up with the neighbors and friends and doing those things, that $75,000 is going to feel like less and less and less as those bills continue to add up. Um, So it's, it's so important when people, they have this money and they get in that situation where they can remove some of that unhappiness with their income. Remember that feeling and continue to plan to maintain that right? As long as you can, yeah. or continue to improve on it because it can get out of hand very quickly again. And then you're struggling to kind of build back up to a, a level of income that can, to your point, remove some more of that unhappiness.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and, and when you're thinking about your financial situation and, and planning for the future, you know, what, what are those pain points that you're looking to resolve? Because let's, let's be honest, you know, even though you're, you have your essentials met, doesn't mean you're living in the neighborhood you want to live in doesn't mean your kids are able to go to the school system you want them to go to it doesn't mean that you know you're saving for retirement to the point that you want maybe you have a car that works but you don't feel like it's reliable and that's a point of stress in your life you know maybe even from a childcare perspective maybe you're putting your kids in a public school—it's not good. You want to send them to private school, or you have young ones like me, and you went for the affordable daycare instead of the super nice luxury one. Um, all of those are things that, if you have the ability to switch to a higher-paying job, and you know it's or or have some sort of upside uh, to your finances, maybe it's you know gig work on the side. Um, you could potentially enable that by by bringing on more money. And it's, you know, Absolutely. again, we're, we're getting kind of nerdy on, on this topic of like, well, duh, of course you can do more with more money. Um, but you gotta be thoughtful about it is kind of the point here.
1: Totally agree.
0: And one of the examples I I, I do want to kind of bring in from my own life is, you know, I've talked about this before. I, I went on a cruise with the family this summer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was a nice time. I had a good time. My family had fun. We're all happy that we did it. Um, definitely provided some stress relief and joy in my life but it was it was in no way a cheap trip you know we and, and even with the relatively expensive vacation all four of us were crammed in this you know little stateroom with barely any of us to move i'm glad i spent the money i'm glad i have those memories i'm glad my family has those memories but could i have increased the happiness from the vacation by having a nanny or another hand with us to help with the kids if I got a haven, you know, NCL, NCL haven room where it's, you know, everybody <laughs> has their own bedroom and there's like a living room and, you know, we weren't all right on top of each other. Sure. It would have, it would have been a, a nicer time. Um, you know, going back to our, our friends at, at Gallup, you know, they, they show that experiential spending has a positive impact on well being versus purchasing stuff but it's those memories. So I don't think the core memories that I built from this trip would have been substantially different than the ones that I had in the smaller room and not having the help. But it just really supports that you need to have enough income to be able to spend on those experiences in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm. That's some, interesting too.
0: There's some it's- iterative improvement and gains that can be had on on as it goes up. But it's like you have to hit that threshold first to even just have enough to to have luxury time.
1: Yeah. And it's it's interesting way to look at it, too. Um, To your point in the moment. Absolutely. Right. It it will make you happier. But looking back at it, you know, what memories are you taking away from that? Like you said, right. Was it worth the extra cash that you had to put out to create what memories? Yeah off of that that extra expense. So that's a really interesting way to look at it. Um, one of the things that's it's always been interesting to me in my own life is saving for retirement in a 401k, right? Mm-hmm. So graduating college, getting a job, sure, you put some money in a 401k, right? You don't even think about it. Right. Um, it's what you do. At, yeah, it's just what you do. Um, maybe your employer signs you up for it. It's minimal money that goes into it. But you're doing it then you, you hit that point where you start to make a little more money and then you really start to realize how much you're putting into your 401k. And it's, it's amazing, you're putting more money in, then you start to do that calculation of, all right, well, if I didn't put this in my 401k and I did take this as income, what could I do with that money right now, right? I could pay yeah. this down, I could yeah. I could get that car, we could go on that trip, Um, but then you you take a step back and like what what is the purpose right of of putting that money in there? It is for retirement. It's for kind of that the long long term gain of being able to not stress down the road and be able to do more of what you enjoy later in life. Um, so it's I've gone through all of those stages right where you you put the money in, you question how much money you're putting in, you you minimize the percentage of how much you put into your four hundred one k. You, you put it back up. Um, it's a vicious cycle, but at the same point, yeah. it's it's balancing what's important to you. And again, if you if you set expectations or set that budget up front, it's so much easier to kind of let things continue to play out. And that's why I, yeah. I always say, again, from a four hundred one k standpoint or a, um, a retirement account, as you make money, more money, get an increase, whatever it might be, put more in immediately and you're not going to feel it. Um, It's very hard to not put that money away, live at a certain level lifestyle, and then have that epiphany and say, all right, I want to put more money into savings or more money into a 401k. That's, that's very difficult to do.
0: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things that people should really think about is the relationship between your time and your money. And I, I, you know, heard this on on a podcast one at one point, and I can't remember which one it was. It's probably an NPR podcast because I listened to a lot of those. But it was, you know, when you take out a loan, it's effectively time travel from your for your money. You know, you're, you're borrowing that lump sum from the future that you're eventually going to earn and bringing it back to current day for you to spend it. And then you're slowly repaying it back along that journey. Well, when you're saving for retirement, it's kind of like the reverse of that. It's like you see in the future you're going to have that need so you're paying future you so you get to live the life that you want to live i like that and you know i think an important thing to think about with that is you're never going to really be confident that you're 100% doing what you need to do there's no right answer to saving the amount you need for retirement cuz you don't know what your lifestyle is going to live, look like then, or, or what you want your lifestyle to look like. Like, you know, Sean, I'm, I'm sure over the course of, of your life, you've had multiple different ways of what your ideal lifestyle looked like. Sure. And it looks very different from being single, living with somebody, having kids, you know, once we get to the point of empty nesting and, and retirement, it's all going to look very different. And you can kind of think about what you want that to to look like. But you might find uh, you know, some big passion in life that like is your kind of like second act, and all of a sudden that's what you want to do, and you're like, Well, I'm not retiring, I'm doing this instead, and there's expenses associated with it. So, or it might be on the other side, or or you might find that, you know, you just don't find joy in having stuff and you kind of want to purge and live like a much more minimalistic lifestyle. You know, the, the right answer is do the best you can and, and just kind of try to make it work for you. But be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Think about it. You know, and that's where I think,
1: um, I think we do a phenomenal job here at Affinity. And this is where I would encourage you know all the listeners, if you're not a member, become a member of Affinity. Um, stop into any of our branches across New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. Give us a call um, on our 800 number. We have individuals here who are passionate about helping people and educating our members, um, passionate about what they do each and every day. And really what it comes down to is we understand that there is not a cookie cutter approach to finances. We want to get to know you. We want to understand what's important to you, what makes you happy, right? And to your point, Grant, how do we help remove some of that unhappiness, some of that stress that comes from yeah. finances? Because everybody feels that stress um, majority of their life, um, unless they're the, you know the, the super fortunate that just really do not have to worry about finances. But I do, I encourage everybody even if you are a member and you've been a long time member, reach out to us, speak to one of our, our team members here and just do a review of your, your membership. See if there's benefits that we have that maybe you're not taking advantage of. Um, yeah. because again, it is not a cookie cutter approach. We want to make sure that we tailor any of our products, services, interactions, even to, um, our member specific needs.
0: Yeah. And, and that, that's a great point. Cause uh, you know, people ask me, you know what. What kind of tools or strategies are there for creating an effective budget or saving for these financial goals? And it all ties back to identifying and creating those goals. And you just kind of work your way back from that. Um, It's all what's important to you. And money is just the vehicle to get to those goals. So, you know, our professionals, a professional, they can have that conversation with you. They can know what to look for what to pull out of you, what que- questions to ask. Cause I mean, you know, nobody, nobody likes budgeting. It's it's never a fun activity. It's it's work and but you need to be thoughtful about it and you need to talk about it. And, you know, if you need resources and recommendations on budgeting, you know, we've done past episodes and there's tons of stuff you can find on our website. Um, so we're not we don't really need to dig into that here. But you know, it's it's really it's just important to set aside money for those short and long term goals. Mm-hmm. You know, and and actually before before we kind of wrap up on, on this topic and, and pivot a little bit, you know, I just wanted to ask you too. It's because this is this is always a, a interesting conversation, is when we're thinking about in terms of social media, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we've we've talked about this before. But, you know, how do you how do you maintain your well-being, your financial well being, your happiness when you're scrolling on social media, scrolling on Instagram, and you know, you're seeing these people who are what it looks like living these luxurious lives. Um, you know, it's like, how do you manage your perception and expectations so that you're not, you're not like, wow, I'm missing out.
1: Yeah, what, do, it's, what do you think on that? It, it is tough, right? So it's tough even as you're younger. I think, you know, yeah, for you and myself, we, we grew up not so much with social media. It became a thing maybe as we were You know late teens early 20s is really when it started to kind of take off a little bit but it's very very different now so there's so many kids and different ages that see these things on social media what's interesting to me is how fake yeah majority of this is right but that's how i see it i know that there's individuals that that do not see it that way out there and they think you know why is this person you know who's the same age as me driving that Ferrari, you know, on that beach vacation, it very much can be putting on a show for someone who really is not in a good situation financially. It is just to kind of highlight what they want to be, what they think other people want them to be, what they think other people want to have. So again, I think it's, it's really just understanding what you're looking at and ensuring that you don't get too caught up in look what they have. And just focus yep. on you and what makes you happy. Um, yeah, it, that's that's a tough one, though. There's there's a lot with that.
0: You know, all, all very good advice, but I, I will say that when I pitched that question, I didn't think you were going to go the route of making it quite so clear that we both had gray hair to all of the podcast <laughs> I listeners. Put, I didn't
1: put dates out there in years. <laughs> I gave generalities pull, there for a second. Pull
0: up a stool, kids. Listen to the oracles <laughs> of the ages. Talk walk, about the early days of social media.
1: Walk to school uphill, both ways (laughs) with your hoop and stick, right? (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. No, I, I, I agree. It's,
0: you know, it's, it's just, just realize that it's, you know, and I think I've talked about this before the, the Instagram effect, you're seeing the one shot in time, the picture, perfect esque background and layout. You don't know what's going on in that person's head. You don't know what's going on on the other side of that camera. You don't know if they financed that trip. You don't know if they're going to be paying that off for years, if they can afford those payments. Um, for all, you know, that Ferrari is going to be repo tomorrow, you know, take it for what it is. It's a pretty picture. Yep. Don't compare yourself to it. Don't, you know, don't think that that's a normal life when it's something that somebody is doing way outside of their, their means, you know, and, and, and I'm a big believer in, in traditional mindfulness techniques. And, and I would say, you know, focus on what you have focus on gratitude, you know, focus on journaling reflect on what you have and and those around you that matter to you you know do you have a safe place to live do you have your utilities covered do you have reliable transportation do you have food on the table you know for so many people these are not insignificant things they 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 matter and unless you kind of reflect on that it's very easy to to take them for granted and not really recognize their value and you're just kind of thinking about the next Shiny object. Yeah, and it's not. It's not. It, you know, it's not good. It's not a good way to live. It's not a. It's not going to support your well being. No, not at all. All right. So, I think we've we've made some progress here. You know, <laughs> I I think I think we've 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 uh, come to some conclusions. You know, but what what do you think are the 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 real benefits of of goal setting, and how can how can members achieve those? financial goals once they kind of figure out what those those values and priorities
1: are mm-hmm. it's um if you don't have a goal right or you know something that you're you're striving for you're just kind of going through the motions yeah. right um there is nothing better than when you achieve something that you've that you've worked for or you've you know you've planned on for such a long time so again we, we have members who their goal is to just get 500 in their savings account right? And it might take them a year to do that. But that is a phenomenal goal for potentially that person's situation. And it makes them so proud that they were able to not necessarily even just get the $500 in the savings, but have the discipline to kind of change their what they do their actions to ensure that they can save that $500. So again, when we talk about just happiness and, and finances, without goals and without achieving different milestones you know what where would you get that happiness from right and right. the goal the goal could yeah. be purchasing that car it could be buying that home but you should be very proud as you reach and achieve those milestones throughout your life and again if you're not setting goals and and planning you're just kind of going through the motions and yep. it's it's harder to find those those small wins to celebrate yep you've
0: you've thought it through you've created something to achieve and you've done it mm-hmm. you know that's that's a win it, you know that's definitely something you should be proud of and that's one of the things that people need to to recognize when they're doing that goal setting and figuring out their financial goals they have to be realistic and they have to be achievable you know if i'm sure you've heard of smart goals before sean sure. and you know i would encourage you to google it if, if you've never heard of it but you know they really apply to your financial goals. They apply to the budgeting process. If you can't make real noticeable progress on your goals, they're not going to work for you. You know, they're, they're probably going to lead you to have some some negative effects. You're going to, you know, feel discouraged. You're going to feel that they're going nowhere and you're probably, you know, going to stop working towards them. You know, nobody wants to put in the work if they don't think they're actually going to achieve those goals or result in anything. So you have to be really, really thoughtful about it and and, and plan for it.
1: Yep. Baby steps.
0: Um, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and I also just want to go back to experiential spending, you know, real quick too, because the, again, that Gallup data shows that it can it can help your well being, but you know, it can also get you in trouble. You know, there there are common mistakes that people make when they're budgeting for something like a vacation, and you know, it's 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 important that you don't bite off more than you can chew right you know when the the number one thing that i always tell people when they're when they're looking at something like that is create again you know no surprise to anybody create a budget you have to have a specific vacation budget and you know we're not going to go too deep in this because we have a whole you know discussion on that in the past but don't don't bite off more than you can chew plan plan for everything
1: yeah i um again totally totally agree i feel like we're on the same page it's it's just setting expectations when you when you talk about realistic goals I think that's one of the most important things people could do um, I could sit here and say I want you know I, I want to get a million dollars in my savings account that's great but is that gonna happen who knows when will that happen not anytime soon that I can guarantee but that to me is it does not bring happiness right if I say I want to put a thousand dollars in my savings account that's the first baby step right work hard get to that thousand dollars all right great now now i know i can do it i want to get to five thousand dollars right or i've never gone on a trip before right some people if you live in we'll say new jersey even you've never left the state of new jersey and maybe you want to how, how do i save money to be able to go on that even somewhat small trip out of the state you need to kind of set again, a timeline, but you need to create realistic goals, both long and short term. The short term goals are very, very important um, not to forget about because again, that's what's going to keep you motivated. That's what's going to, again, increase that happiness and, and allow you to, again, celebrate those wins throughout the journey.
0: Now, it's it's important to, to think about it, both from that short term and long term perspective, because you know the short-term ones; you're obviously going to achieve much quicker. They're going to be easier. You'll you'll get that boost, but the long-term ones, you know, they're a much slower-burning entity. Um, and actually, with that, we do have a member mailbag question that I'm going to jump right. over to, and and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. So, if you have a question or a comment for a future member mailbag segment, you can send it to us at AffinityFCU on Facebook or X, formerly known as Twitter, with the hashtag Member Mailbag. So uh, the member question today is, as my income increases, there is temptation to increase my spending. How can I avoid lifestyle inflation and prioritize saving and investing for long-term happiness? Well, I think they actually answered their question right in their own question is, you prioritize saving and investing for long-term happiness. (laughs) 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 But of course, that ties back into our larger conversation of, well, have they sat down and defined what long-term happiness looks like for them? Have they defined those goals? Have they figured out how much that will cost? Have they figured out how long it will take them to get there? And, you know, have they built their budget?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, right, right, um, right there. It's it's interesting because, uh, again, I think this is a trap that a lot of people fall into. And you can't just live to work either, right? So you want yep. you want to work to live. So if you do receive that promotion at work, you do get that pay increase, you should be proud. You should celebrate a little yeah. bit, right? Maybe you go out to a nice dinner. Maybe you, you know, go on that, you know, that small trip, big trip, whatever it might be. Um, but you want to make sure it's, it's within your means and you prepare for that additional income. Let's say it's a thousand dollars a month more that you're going to be making. You, you need to earmark some of those funds towards, savings towards the, you know, the emergency fund. But you should absolutely take some of that and say, Hey, this is this is some extra fun money, right? We can do a little bit more with this. Um, Again, I think it's just finding that balance, but planning and ensuring that you're, you know, you are thinking it through. It's not just all fun money at that point, because that's when you know, the bills will start to increase, the debt will start to increase. And it's very hard to go back from that lifestyle to, um, to tighten up, which is, again, what we're, we're encouraging a lot of people to do in most cases is to kind of tighten up their budget a little bit. And it, it's not an easy thing to do.
0: And, and I think for for this member, too, the, the good news is, is the fact that they're even thinking about this and they're aware of like uh, lifestyle creep happening and, and, you know, they are paying attention to their budget in theory. Um, they're already ahead of the curve you know sure. if if you're paying attention to your spending and and your budget lifestyle inflation isn't really a big deal it's not something you're gonna have to be aware of because you're you know what you're spending but you know I would caution that you know make sure that you're being diligent about every six months you're going and you're looking at your budget you're looking at everything that you're spending to make sure that it is adding value you know and and you know if it's not Marie condo it you know, if that Amazon Prime membership isn't sparking joy, <laughs> bye bye. You don't need to spend money on it. Focus on those things that matter that are bringing quality of life to you um, because, you know, we want to improve our quality of life. We want to enjoy our happiness or improve our happiness. And, you know, isn't that why we are all work so hard and, and you know, put in our, our nine to five? I agree. I, I think so. I agree. All right, well we got a product spotlight coming up, and today we are talking about Affinity's cashback debit account. So if you're looking for a checking account worthy of the Dean's list, look no further than Affinity's cashback debit account as it's the one for you. As a busy student, you need a checking account that works as hard as you do, and by opening a cashback debit account, you earn 1% cashback on up to $1000 in debit card purchases per month. And the benefits are endless. Uh, No fees with e-statements, early pay with direct deposit, and member-to-member online banking transfers. Uh, For more information, you can visit AffinityFCU.com forward slash cashbackdebit. All one word to learn more. Again, that's AffinityFCU.com forward slash cashbackdebit. All right. So we talked about
1: a lot today.
0: Um, You know, wrapping it up, does, does money buy happiness?
1: What do you think it uh, it plays a part it plays its part for sure Um, I don't think again you cannot buy happiness but money can absolutely help if if utilized appropriately you can put yourself in situations to improve happiness or in your in your case what you said earlier remove some of the unhappiness right I think that's that's huge but it would it does not buy happiness necessarily
0: definitely eliminates unhappiness but it's up to you to define happiness. You know, you need to set your financial goals. You need to be intentional. You need to come up with a plan and how to attack it. Because if the answer is no, you know, unless you're spending on things that are important to you and your family and creating memories and improving your overall quality of life, no, it's the, the money's not buying happiness. You're just spending on stuff or or other stuff. I don't know what you're doing with it. But you need to be thoughtful and, and intentional about it. So any any other final words before we wrap this up, Sean?
1: No, I just I always have fun doing this with you, Grant. I appreciate anybody that uh, appreciate anybody that is listening currently or in the future. And again, can't encourage everyone enough to become a member of Affinity Federal Credit Union. If you are not, um, and whether you become a member or are a current member, please reach out to us. Come visit us in the branch. Give us a call. Check out the resources and tools that we have online. We, we really are in this business to improve our members' financial lives. And I can say wholeheartedly that we have the right people in this organization to do that. And yeah, please you know, take us up on, on those offers. This is what we are here for. And again, look forward to developing these plans and, and seeing people reach these goals. Couldn't
0: have said it any better myself. So thank you, Sean. Thank you. Just a reminder that if you have a question or comment for our future member mailbag segment, please send it to at AffinityFCU on Facebook or X, again, formerly known as Twitter, with the hashtag member mailbag. Uh, we always appreciate you listening. So please rate, like, and subscribe for more Wellbeing in Your Wallet podcasts. You can visit AffinityFCU.com for additional information about financial well-being and Affinity products. And as always, thanks for listening and be well.